Blog Talk Radio. I mean, you know, 
we still don't really have anybody who can lead this country. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you're looking at Trump, you're looking at Hillary. I mean, you you, you just got Tweedledee and Tweedledum here again. It's pretty sad. But um, even worse than Tweedledee. I'd even take a Tweedledee and Tweedledum, but you get uh, the, the, I mean, two people don't even qualify for that. But I, I think um, I'll start off for tonight with some news. Um, I was happy to hear this because this guy, this guy's one of the biggest crooks that that, that I know of. And I mean, he was the president, uh, the president. He was the uh, governor of our state uh, twice, for two, two, two terms. He was uh, indicted in his uh, last. Um, in his last uh, term. But um, let me just read this. It's Governor John Rund, okay, and his wife, you know, um, a federal appeals court Friday upheld John Rowland's conviction and 30-month prison sentence for his role in the scheme to solicit two congressional campaigns in 2010 and 2012 to secretly pay him as a political consultant in violation of U.S. campaign finance laws. Rowland who's 59, former state legislator, um, congressman and governor, has been free on bond since the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Court, uh, Circuit Court considered an appeal that claimed, among other things, that his consulting contract and the husband of congressional, uh, with the husband of congressional candidate Lisa William Foley, was legitimate and not an effort to hide his political work. In a decision by Judge Susan Carney, a three-judge panel unanimously rejected that claim and others, uh, concluding the evidence at the trial in New Haven showed Rowan twice pitched illegal consulting arrangements to uh, Republican candidates, and in his own uh, in his own congressional district, unsuccessfully to Mark Greenberg in 2010, and then to Wilson Foley in 2012. We conclude that Rowan was properly convicted uh, and because he created or participated in the creation of documents that represented or falsified his relationship with the congressional candidates. Wilson Foley and Greenberg, uh, and he did so with the intent to impede a possible future federal investigation. We reject Rowland's assertion that principles of contract, contract law prevent us from concluding that the documents styled as um, uh, contacts, uh, contracts was falsified within the meaning of the statute. She wrote, and so she convicted him, and that's good. You know, that's 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 very good, and I'm pleased to hear that. If never there was a guy who deserved to be indicted, this is the guy. Yeah, Mr. Rowland, piece of work, man. I couldn't believe this guy. Uh, I just can't believe this guy got so far in being so corrupt. It's like Hillary, you know. Sooner or later, sooner or later they come after you. you know? They finally get you. And, uh, let's see. But they concluded he was guilty. And the government said Roland and Wilson Foley were motivated to hide his role in the campaign because the corruption scandal had toppled him from the office in 2004. He also was employed at the time 
as the host of a popular afternoon talk show on WTICAM, a perch he used to promote Wilson Foley and undermine her rivals for the GOP nomination, which was won in a primary by Andrew Rohrbeck. Greenberg um, rebuffed Rowan's proposal to be hired to a uh, personal services contract uh, through a charitable foundation, but only after 10 months of continuing conversations with a man still seen uh, as a viable or valuable political guide, particularly in the 5th Congressional District that Roland represented for three terms. Rowan went to Washington at age 27 as the youngest member of Congress, and he learned to be corrupt right away. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wilson Foley also concluded in September uh, that Rowan, whom he considered a friend, was too controversial to hire to run her campaign. Instead, her husband, Brian Foley, signed Rowan to a $5,000 a month consulting contract with his nursing home company, Apple Rehab, and Roland was paid $35,000 before the arrangement became public. Yeah, yeah, he was helping old people. Right. Oh, boy. But in sentencing memo, prosecutors said Roland was motivated to conspire with Wilson Foley by a desire to once again be a political player, not a need for money. Without detailing the sources, they said Roland was making 420000 a year when he signed the consulting deal. Uh, boy, they were paying him that much in that juice as a TIC guy. You know? His downfall was a theatrical note. One of Republicans vying for the congressional nomination in 2012 was Mike Clark, retired FBI agent who played a supervisory role in the investigation that led to Rowland's guilty plea after his resignation. It was Clark's suspicions in 2012 that led to the new case. Rowan did not respond to a request for comment, nor did his appeals lawyer, um, and uh, who previously was a top Applegate lawyer for U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York. Uh, judges on the panel were um, that doesn't really matter. Appointed by Reagan. <laughs> so anyway. Um, this is, you know, I'm curious how Roland was making 420,000 bucks a year. Uh, Roland was making 420,000 when he cut secret consulting deals. Federal prosecutors say that former Governor Roland was making $420,000 a year when he conspired to be secretly hired for 5000 a month as a consultant. Um, in a sentencing memo, they don't say how he was making his money, they just said he was. In a sentencing memo that demands a prison sentence of between 37 months and 46 months, um, U.S. Attorney Liam Brennan and Christopher Mattei said that the Roland was motivated by the desire to once again be a political player. Yes, not the need for money. Right, right, right. Well, if that was true, why didn't he just do it for nothing? Right. Roland had pleaded guilty to corruption charges 10 years ago after his resignation as governor and served 10 months in prison, was convicted in September of conspiring with Wilson Foley, okay, and Brian Foley, to um, violate campaign laws. Uh, you know, the guy's a crook. So he was, he's a crook. Crook, crook, crook. Mr. Crook, Mr. Crook, you are a crook. That is what he is. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'll tell you, folks. It doesn't get better. Not for this prick. I mean, 
once you're a crook, you're, you are a crook. You know, it's just the way it is. You always has been, always will be. Now, this article, this 420, this, this article was actually posted in front of, you know, it's how much money he actually made. It was $420,000 $420, a year. But, you know, the latest article that I read, the first one uh, came out yesterday uh, on the 17th. So, just so you know, it's current news. Hasn't been in the uh, hasn't been in the big news though. It's kind of surprised. I haven't heard about it. They don't like to brag that their governor went to jail. He's going back to jail. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're gonna. Uh, Connecticut, Connecticut, Connecticut. You're such a sad state of affairs. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty sad, man. Doesn't get really just just sad. Uh, um, there is something that came up today. I, I I told you I'm a little reluctant to talk about um, uh, to talk about um, presidential politics. But here 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 here's something that really just irks you, and it's happening constantly with Bernie Sanders. Is the uh, and people are they're just getting cut about cut up and cut up and cut up by the democratic uh, corruption you know uh, you know democratic corruption yeah. democratic party corruption Sanders New York delegates say they were denied vote uh for the state chairman which they were um, I'll explain this because New York delegates for Bernie Sanders erupted in protest at the Democratic Party meeting Tuesday, while saying they were denied a voice in the selection of the state chairman for the national uh, for the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia next month. Um, the objection and pandemonium caught on video during a meeting at the hotel and motel trades council headquarters on West Forty Fourth Street began after party leaders made a motion to make Governor Andrew Cuomo the party convention chair. Well, party lawyer Michael Reich, um, presiding over the nomination, cut off debate before Sanders' delegates could submit candidates other than Cuomo. Um, and uh, Sanders' delegates booed, yelled, and, and raised their hands to submit alternatives. But they were not recognized, and the microphone at the front of the room was cut off. Well, heavy-handed moves, uh, they, the heavy-handed move enraged Sanders to get delegates. We are not recognizing Andrew Cuomo as the chair, said Kate Bresler, uh, Bresler, a Sanders delegate from White Plains. We wanted to have a Democratic vote. And Sanders delegate um, from Queens uh, even filed a police complaint after a Hillary Clinton delegate, an elderly bearded man with a cane, hit her from behind. She said, when she confronted him, he allegedly hit her with his cane again. <laughs> Christ, he assaulted me, uh, Ahmed said. And uh, Arthur Schwartz, a lawyer for Sanders' campaign, said, this was dumb, really dumb. And it's not the first time that tensions have boiled over between Sanders and Clinton supporters at party functions. Last month, 
chaos uh, unfolded at the Nevada uh, Democratic Party convention, where Sanders supporters claiming that Clinton backers had rigged party rules shouted down protest uh, pro-Clinton speakers and sent threatening messages to the state party chairwoman. Well, New York Democrat Party Executive Director Basil Smirkel um, expressed surprise that Sanders delegates were disparaging leaders who gave speeches emphasizing party unity. Well, Sanders representatives were also provided information on the process and the format of the meeting. Nominations were open to the floor and then closed once none were offered. But the vote was taken, and the overwhelming number of delegates supported the governor, Sparkle said in a statement. So, I don't know. You know, I have to see the real uh, issues. But if it was any, if this was anything like um, um, what happened in Nevada, Nevada, uh, you know, was uh, they did the same thing or similar. You know, they did they uh, they wouldn't count Nevada delegates for Bernie either. Cause it's fucking it's just amazing. The, the kind of rigging that these people are doing. Holy cow, folks, get ready for this. Ready for this? Hey, wow. Get ready for this. <laughs> now, this is uh, this was from Doctor Health three sixty five. Okay, uh, I've been there before, but we'll see. Um, Guy put out. This was posted. Um, no, this was posted June 21st. It was posted yesterday, and it's on DrHealth365.com. I, I don't know how I. On it, somebody sent this to me on my on Facebook, uh, but it says Hillary Clinton will soon be feeling the burn in the form of millions of Bernie Sanders supporters bent on shaping history. They are fighting for a history with President Sanders and without any another president and without another President Clinton. Millions of angry protesters will descend on Philadelphia, PA, ahead of the convention to attempt to sway superdelegates. Trained in nonviolent protests, they plan an Occupy-style uh, protest for the length of the convention. Organizers predict millions will attend. Many media outlets are predicting a smaller number in the tens of thousands. This figure reported on Facebook account for just one of the dozens of groups participating. Bernie Sanders supporters have become more galvanized against Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party after the Crucifer uh, 2.0 hack revealed that DNC uh, uh, that the DNC's May 2015 plan to elect Hillary Clinton. With uh, with no mention of another Democratic candidate, yeah, that's right, folks. Um, so anyway, the DNC is to fall into chaos. Okay, I like that idea. It says 20,000 committed protesting. Now they're up to millions. Hillary Clinton will not be able to unify the party, according to most Sanders fans. A recent poll of over 21,000 Bernie Sanders supporters shows that just 7% of them would ever vote for Hillary. It was previously predicted 
that only 25% of Bernie supporters would can, would refuse to vote for for Clinton. Right. Spears put that only 25% of Bernie supporters would refuse to vote for Clinton. Now they're showing that uh, 90% are are willing are not willing to vote for Clinton. Now nearly all Sanders supporters are angry with Hillary and the DNC. And this comment in the Ralph retort uh, explains what is brewing. Um, interesting here a quote from it. It says the reality is that unity of Democratic Party is an extreme peril. Um, leaked documents from the hack stand uh, from the hack stand as proof that the DNC had been planning on Hillary Clinton to be the party nominee since long before a single vote was even cast. The Bernie or bus campaign has already is, was already growing, especially after massive scandals like the secret win controversy. But now gas, gasoline has been dumped on the fire, and the buster movement is about to is, is growing even stronger by the minute. Bernie Sanders supporters are calling for calling out the Democratic Party for voter fraud and voter suppression. After some very questionable occurrences during the 2016 Democratic primaries, more fuel was thrown on the fire at Crucifer 202, uh, 201, I'm sorry, by Crucifer uh, 2.0. Um, Lori, that's the hacker, and Lori Setnick, one of the many organizers of the march, who explained that Sanders supporters stand against Clinton on the occupied um, Democratic National Committee Convention Facebook page, and uh, which is one I signed myself, or uh, you know signed up with. It says here, so we are contesting Hillary's nomination on the grounds of fraud, voter suppression, and corruption. We sh- we show them who we want. If they uh, nominate her anyway, we show them they did not win. Um, for we will not be voting for her in November. Hillary Clinton is not is now seen as an elitist by the Bernie camp, not a true blue Democrat, as her supporters suppose. And another quote uh, from the Occupy DNC convention Facebook page explains as follows. This broken two-party system and the elite class who run it do not represent us or our interests, and it is our natural right as American citizens to stand up to this elite political class and take back our democracy. Now, Bernie Sanders supporters are taking this election fraud very seriously. If Bernie isn't the nominee, his his followers are threatening a mass exodus from the Democratic Party to the Green Party. In addition, there is a petition on change.org requesting the U.N., to supervise our elections. <laughs> what a joke. That is. Just as it is often requested in war-torn and third-world parties, that would be funny to have the U.N. You know, I, well, hey, why not? Why not? Why not? I don't trust the U.N. either. But, hey. Uh, and the U.S. State Department says that a discrepancy in exit polls of more than 2% indicates fraud. We have had discrepancies outside that margin, at least 16 of the state primaries, all the way up to a discrepancy of 23%. These discrepancies have only happened in one of our political parties, and they have all been in favor of one candidate. That's right. Hillary! And Hillary Clinton is, of course, the candidate referenced. All of the the mistakes, computer glitches, purged voters, and dispendencies... Um, have been in Hillary's favor. 
The conclusion of Bernie Sanders supporters is that the nomination was stolen and fixed in so many ways that Bernie never stood a chance. But his loyal supporters intend to give him a chance by whatever means possible. And the Change.org uh, petition continues describing the alleged election fraud. There has been reports of registration purging, uh, switching of party affiliations, vote flipping, and massive voter suppression. Not to mention the millions of voters who have not been allowed to vote because they did not claim any party affiliation. And multiple major universities have calculated that in order to get our current results without election fraud, the odds would be 1 in 70 billion. Oh, my God. Imagine that. I mean, it's like winning the freaking lotto. All right? Just to get your, uh, you know, to get your... Uh, <laughs> Multiple major universities have calculated that in order to get our current results without election fraud, the odds would be one in 70 billion. That's how, I mean, this is crazy. That's the chances of having an honest election in the United States. One in 70 billion. Hillary Clinton was favored strongly in all the different methods of the alleged election fraud and media manipulation also played a large role in promoting Hillary, according to the DNC's own uh, uh, documents uncovered by Guccifer 2.0. And Bernie Sanders, young, nonviolent army, are planning a, a unique sort of coup at the Democratic National Convention. YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook will full, be full of their angry voices, and Bernie is ready to fight in the convention, and his followers stand ready outside. It is estimated that up to 10 million of them could show up for this nonviolent resolution. Wow, revolution. And can the DNC be shamed or intimidated into making Sanders a Democrat nomination and replacing Hillary? Yeah. So, let's see. This posting here. Going to Philly in July? Learn the rules. Play by the rules. Troll will be there. Trolls will be there. Eat, rest, march, vote. Follow Bernie's lead. Enjoy yourself as you make history. And uh, uh, posted note from Granny, Granny Talk is the name of this, Philly for Bernie, um, and I posted that. And Hillary Clinton and the DNC officials will face millions of angry Bernie Sanders supporters this July in Philadelphia in a nonviolent Occupy revolution. Hey, I was thinking, Lemon, well, I were really thinking of going down there ourselves, but I think we'll pass. As they're predicting a million or more of these guys and be Woodstock. It'll be an angry Woodstock. It'll be great. Uh, they deserve it, man. They seriously, seriously, seriously deserve this. You know, they really, really do. Can you imagine a million of them. That's incredible. That's so incredible. But hey, who knows, right? Uh, gotta share that. I think that's so great. Um, my thoughts to you tonight are, are basically, um, there's so much, I, I've been so depressed with this, with this, uh, for a while I was really excited because it was fun, but now to, to see what's happened now and to see what we have, we have Donald Trump and Hillary, it's like, oh my God, you know, Tweedledee and Tweedledummer, it's unbelievable. And, uh, it's frightening. You know, it's very, very, very frightening. Um, the difference is staggering. It's, it's, well, this is a short video, 
uh, you'll hear the audio, but this is something with to do with it. This is this is a topic of of child poverty in around the world, and the United States has the highest number of all of of the top three. Um, of the, uh, compared to the United States, uh, United Kingdom, which is Britain, Germany, and Finland, we are at over 30, 32, 33% of our uh, of poverty rate for our children, poverty rate. Uh, uh, about 25% for uh, Britain. Um, Germany is at about 15%, and Finland is down around 8%. Um, so uh, it, it's really quite something. But I, I wish you could hear this. I think this is interesting. It should be heard. It's only a minute long. In Finland, families receive over $100 per child each month to help pay for um, expenses. And parents receive a box of things. Meanwhile, in America... One in three children in the United States live in poverty. We should have no poor children in the richest nation on earth. Shame. It's a moral black. 3.4 percent of its economy, Finland spends on um, food. America spends 0.7 percent. So we only spend one percent on 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 income on on poverty for children in the United States. It's really really staggering, really really staggering, but very staggering. I'm not about to, I you know, I don't know what this gun law was, uh, so I, I'm not going to talk about it because there's really no, I, I don't have a copy of that law, and so I don't know what the Republicans shot down here, um, and what these morons are, are doing a sit-in today, you know. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean, yeah, to see these old guys sitting doing a sit-in in the in the, in the in the House of Representatives is, is almost hysterical. I mean, they're running a filthy campaign. You know, you know these super delegates. You know, for Hillary, that you know they destroyed they, they, they destroyed our government with their corruption and scams, and yet they want to say, oh, we're gonna sit in and be uh, hippies today. You know, we're gonna be strong Democrats and sit down and on the stairs and uh, and just sit there and be idiots. That's what they are. You know, let's pronounce how stupid we really are. Let's talk 15 hours and then nobody listens to you. Let's start, let's sit down, you know, in front of here and, uh, you know, who the hell cares? All right? It's like we're, we're dealing with gun control laws. You know, the problem is they don't even show you what the bill actually was, you know. It says 53 senators just blocked the bill that would have prevented the Orlando massacre by preventing anyone suspected of terrorism over the last five years from buying guns. Hey, that all sounds well and good, but, you know, with most of these bills, like most of these bills, they add in all kinds of crap, you know, and, it's, and, and you know, to make everyone look bad, um, who wouldn't agree.
agree to it, but I mean, why wouldn't somebody agree to that? The only thing is that what they're not telling you is, you know, uh, you know, they probably slipped in soon to hell knows some Medicare bill or some off the wall kind of stupid uh, uh, amendment to it that uh, you know, who knows? There's reasons why nobody's buying this, you know, and why the Senate knocked it down. And it's not because they're not. I mean, they're not stupid. I mean, even though you, you wonder, but um, you know, mostly it was all 100% Republicans. You know that that uh, refused to sign it and uh, refused to agree. So I don't know. I guess terrorists are coming around. Hey, you know, Obama. I was going to tell you this. Actually, it happened. Obama, when he came into office, actually. Uh, all of the uh, he, he, he all of the uh, Muslim radical Muslim groups that were being investigated by the FBI and so on and so forth um, have all been where he was told they were told to purge. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand eight, they were told to purge all of that because Obama didn't want to. You know, and and then he started to 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 to. to uh, it's really sick, folks. It, it's totally sick. It's really sick. Sick, sick, sick stuff. But, um, you know, uh, Obama is so sick. <laughs> it it goes, it goes, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Worse and worse. Here's something, you know, I, I know this is Union Night, and I want to, I want people to, I want to, you know, talk as much as I can about it. But we're right in, today, this year we're right in the middle of a revolution. We are, we we seriously are. And after 2016, there will be no more uh, Democrat and Republican parties. You know, the way that we know it, I've, I've always known it, been rigged by it. But there's something that you don't. I don't know if you've heard about this or not, anybody out there. But I'll tell you, um, it's from People's Voice, and it says that witnesses describe a war zone scenes in Paris as the mainstream media failed to report on the biggest revolution in France's recent history. Yeah. Now, France France is a, a highly unionized country. They're very, um, you know, they're a socialist type of country. But, you know, they're having some serious problems over there, especially with all these uh, these immigrants that are coming in undocumented. And, you know, it's just, it's just a mess, you know. So, look, it says over one million people... All right. Took to the streets in France. A million people took to the streets in France this week, and that's this week, by the way. This was, was dated uh, two days ago. Um, in France this week, to protest against an ever-increasing totalitarian French government in some of the largest anti-government protests the country has ever seen. That's amazing. On Tuesday, June fourteenth, um, that was last week. Uh, witnesses described uh, war zone scenes in the Paris capital, in the capital rather of Paris, as the mainstream media failed to report on the biggest revolutions in France's recent history. The Paris march was led by the biggest autonomous bloc that has been seen in the city for several decades in a strong international anti-capitalist participation. It was attacked uh, repeatedly and brutally by police. Uh, using all of the militaristic weaponry at their disposal, not just the usual batons and tear gas and grenades, but also two water cannons used in Paris.
read about uh, about the uh, nightmare coming to Philadelphia. <laughs> this is where it's going to be. Protesters responded to the police attempt to uh, split the march with much determination and hails of stones. Near the Duroc Metro station, scenes of one of the fiercest fightings, uh, fighting rather, um, windows of the France's of the France's overseas territories ministry were broken, and its walls covered with graffiti. It was nicknamed or renamed the Ministry of Colonies, and other buildings from banks and estate uh, agents to Starbucks were also targeted. There were said to have been 58 arrests the authority i mean that's not bad 58 arrests out of uh out of a million people marching that's not much i mean we were we had uh we had 700 arrests uh from a thousand people marching and, and uh, over the uh brooklyn bridge there you know I mean, people tend to forget that for some reason occupy wall street uh, there were said to have been 58 arrests. The authorities ridiculously claimed only 40 people were injured, of whom 29 were supposedly cops and only 11 protesters. In reality, hundreds of protesters were hurt, many seriously, and according to activist website uh, Paris uh, Lutz, is the website Paris L-U-T-T-E-S, um, Paris Lutz, and Federal, uh, rather, levels of police violence and the cops' utter contempt for the welfare of injured protesters are well illustrated by this shocking video. And uh, after the mainstream march, march, protesters regrouped in the evening for further unauthorized uh, protests, which were again attacked by cops, notably the uh, fascistic uh, plainclothes thugs of the BAC, anti-criminal uh, brigade. This was the biggest turnout yet against the LOI Traval, uh, but still the state refuses to change its neoliberal course. Instead, it is now threatening to ban future protests if there is no guarantee that people in play, that property and people will not be threatened. <laughs> They're going to ban. Now, let's just ban uh, a million, a million people. Sure, that's going to happen. Yeah, right. Yeah. That is just such a joke. So anyway, um, there's something. That's uh, yournewswire.com. That was from. Uh, and now, uh, totally, really, rather frightening now. France labor dispute. Paris protest descends into violence. It's a labor dispute, folks. That's what's going on over there. It was a labor reform bill. Let me let me just mention this to you. Um, so people can understand what's going on there. It's the same thing that's going on here. I mean, you know, um, they're trying to screw unions. Paris protest descends into violence. Yeah, we're... Trying to, trying to go through this, because students in several unions organized protests across the country, part of weeks of industrial action. The CGT union said 1.3 million people demonstrated, but the police estimated it was much lower, about 125,000. 
Rail workers and taxi drivers are also on strike, disrupting transports over there. All right, uh, they're revolting against the the the, the, the new reform bill. Uh, yeah, the new um, labor bill, labor reform bill. Okay, the crowd marched from southeast Paris to the uh, Invalides Invalides um, uh, monument complex and magnet for tourists. The uh, the unrest coincided with the Euro 2016 football champion, a major challenge for French police, Marty, uh, already by violence amongst fans. In a separate protest, Air France pilots went on strike to demand better working conditions. An estimated 20% of all Air France flights are canceled as a result, the company said. French labor reform bill, it's key points, and why, why, they're, why they're fighting Okay. The 35-hour week remains in place, but as an average, but as an average, firms can negotiate with local trade unions on more or fewer hours from week to week, up to a maximum of 46 hours. Firms are given greater freedom to reduce pay. The law eases conditions for laying off workers, which is strongly regulated in France, and it is uh, hoped companies will take on more people if they know they can shed jobs in case of a downturn. Employers to get more leeway to negotiate holidays and special leaves, such as maternity or uh, get, getting married, these are currently also heavily regulated. French Interior Ministers uh, Bernard Chazeneuve said he could no longer bear the attacks against the police. He called on protesters to find themselves, uh, find within themselves a little humility, humanity rather, tolerance and respect. Well, dem- demonstrations against the reform bill began on March 9th and led into a massive demonstration on March 31st. Then nearly 400,000 people came out in protest against France. But this 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 article was just published recently, but um, but they're they're fighting again and again and again. I mean. They're, you know, this happened in uh, June 14th. So, you know, there's some big, big stuff going on over there, folks. Their unions are not, you know, they're, they're, this is this is stuff that's going on. Uh, you know, and I guess what bothers me and why, why I insist on doing this show, too, is because nobody talks about it. They're really not talking about this stuff anywhere. You know, you got to find it in these obscure magazines or obscure blogs and I'm grateful to so many of my Facebook friends who appreciate this uh, this show and appreciate this kind of information and as well want to get this stuff out uh, get it out there yeah. so anyway we're on the way um I, I I don't know. I, I I have I have a lot of issues with, with these idiots, and uh, most of them Republican. And, uh, and the the crazy stuff, the crazy crazy stuff that they that they have said, you know, against against these. Uh, Stupidity that I've seen of the people that uh, 
come with some amazing things. Yeah, just amazing people like uh, Huckabee and Trump and there they are, and oh, some of the craziest, craziest things have been said by Pat Robertson. You know, oh my God, it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And you know, what are you gonna do? So it's I mean, it's, but uh, there's just it's some really sick things about this. So, um, hey, if you if you if you love Hillary, which uh, I guess. A lot of people do. I don't know why, but here's another reason to to not like her. It's like selected, not elected. The Rothschilds hold a hundred thousand dollar a plate dinner fundraiser for Hillary. That's right, Hillary. The Rothschilds love Hillary. You know? Yeah. You wonder why? Because the Rothschilds owned all the banks on Wall Street. That's why. And Hillary loves the banks on Wall Street. She has no, no problem with them at all. You know, she's made them billions of dollars, and she's going to continue to make them trillions of dollars. Right? She's the ultimate corporate, you know, uh, prostitute. But Washington, D.C., providing even more proof that she is simply a puppet for the ruling oligarchy on Thursday, Hillary Clinton attended a $100,000 ahead fundraiser hosted by none other than Lynn Foster de Rothschild, a prominent New York businesswoman and supporter of Mrs. Clinton. Oh, yeah. The Rothschild banking dynasty is a family line that has been accused of pulling the political strings of many different governments through their control of various economic systems throughout the world. Historically, there is ample evidence to prove that the family has used its fast fortune to control the political apparatus of numerous nations throughout history toppling regimes and bringing entire economies to their knees. Uh, yeah, and this is who Hillary is getting $100,000 a plate from. It's amazing. And although the Rothschild, that's cheap for them. It should be a million dollars a plate for those guys. I mean, the other people are millionaires. And for a million bucks, Hillary would, you know, Hillary would do anything for a million bucks. And uh, the Rothschild banking dynasty, family, oh, I just read that. Although the Rothschild family now keeps a very low public profile, they still have significant business operations across a wide spectrum of, of uh, sectors. And while you may not find any one particular Rothschild on the Forbes most rich list, the family is estimated to control $1 trillion in assets across the globe, thus having an extremely strong voice across geopolitical economic spectrum and many perceive as a hidden hand manipulating uh, events silently from behind a veil of secrecy. And, uh, well, you know who the richest person in the world is, don't you? It's the Queen of England. She's worth an estimated 5 or $10 trillion or something. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's totally overwhelming. But um, actually, Rothschild has more money than her. All right. That's right. So anyway, um, and their they, their their wealth is beyond a trillion dollars. It's it's uh, it's actually, I mean the uh, the Rothschilds they actually control. I mean they even control the the Vatican. You know the Vatican money. It's amazing. Huh. Um, Yeah. So in March, 
Free Thought Project examined WikiLeaks' searchable archives of Clinton's emails and found intimate, intimate, uh, intimations, intimate, you know, intimate relations of a close relationship with infamous Rothschild family. Uh, Clinton is tight with the Rothschilds. Does that surprise you? No. Uh, Lynn Forrester de Rothschild wrote an email on April 18, 2010, uh, to Hillary from, you know, in which she tells Hillary she would love to catch up and I remain your loyal, adoring pal. Hillary responds, let's make that happen and signs her response. Much love, H. In September 23, 2010, Hillary emailed Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, an email chain uh, marked by heavy redaction, saying, I was trying to reach you and tell you and Teddy that I asked Tony Blair to go to the to Israel as part of our full court press on keeping the Middle East negotiations going. And Rothschild responds, thanking Clinton for personally reaching out to us and adds, you are the best and we remain your biggest fans. Yeah, isn't that something, huh? Um, correspondence gives the greatest insight into the fact that the Rothschild family works behind the scenes to use their enormous clout to forward a geopolitical agenda using their brought and paid for politicians as a means to an end. On January 9, 2012, email this, uh, Hillary, these are Hillary emails now, discuss a conference on the environment set to take place at Jacob Rothschild's historic estate in Waddington. It's clear that while Hillary Clinton is a politician who often attempts to publicly portray herself as a candidate looking out for the interests of the common working American, a notion that has been widely challenged during this election cycle due to her adamant refusal to release the transcripts of her 12 speeches to various Wall Street institutions, for which she received almost $3 million in compensation, a sum greater than most Americans will earn in their lifetimes. On the same day as the Rothschilds fundraiser, Maureen Wright uh, White and Stephen Ratner, two prominent Democratic fundraisers, also hosted a six-figure fundraiser at their Manhattan homes for Clinton, uh, which cost donors a minimum of $100,000, which Clinton attended. Of course she did. Uh, according to Wall Street Journal. <laughs> the evidence of politicians for sale to the highest bidder lends credibility to a 2014 study for Princeton University that revealed that the U.S. is not a republic or a democracy, but rather an oligarchy. An oligarchy is a form of government in which uh, power resides in the hands of a small number of elites within a society. Absolutely. 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 That's what an oligarchy is. Um, and it says, for ruling class politicians to disingenuously act as if they are simply simple representatives of the people, when they clearly act as the interest of the billion-dollar oligarchs who finance their political adventurism, uh, reveals a political system that clearly lacks legitimacy. And the hijacking of the U.S. levers of power uh, by a handful of elite families and institutions using crony politicians such as Clinton is unmistakable. There you go, folks. That's the way it is. Yeah. For every ten nights I stay, I get one free. This, however, will not be simple. You got a rocket belt, Captain. So anyway, that's uh, we got just a few minutes. I, I hope you got something out of that. I, I mean, I'm. I'm just disgusted by 
I told him, Rothschild libel. Why has it taken 200 years for an anti-Semitic... It's an interesting thing. Uh, Selected, not elected. Rothschild owes a $100,000 plate dinner. Congressman confirms that voting doesn't matter, and the U.S. government thinks we are all stupid. Let's read that one. Freethoughtproject.com Congressman X... The congressman confirms that voting doesn't matter, and the U.S. government thinks we are all sheep. Yeah, well, I agree. Democrats definitely believe that. Um, in the Internet exploded this week over a congressman X, a new book due out in about two weeks detailing the rantings of a supposed current or former congressman identified only as a Democrat. But... <laughs> Douglas Anonymous Congressman or Congresswoman, considering we have no knowledge of the politician's identity, waxes damningly about colleagues, the legislative process, and the American public alike, and his keen criticism prove uh, one indisputable truth. The voting perpetrates the problem. <laughs> Many, my main job is to keep my job. Uh, to get reelected, Congressman X asserts in the book, it takes precedence over everything. And though the more cynical among us know this is to be the case, the revelation could be shocking to people who believe the legislative process still functions coherently. Oh, and about those people. Voters are incredibly ignorant and know little about our form of government and how it works. He's absolutely right. He says, it's far easier than you think to manipulate a nation of naive, self-absorbed sheep who crave instant gratification. Congressman X, the book, contains notes collected from the unnamed politician by Robert Atkinson, uh, former chief of staff and press secretary for two Democratic congressmen over the period of several years and is being published with permission from the source. Entertaining at times, tragically telling uh, at others, the confessions uh, particularly excoriate the ignorance of the voting public as ill-informed vastly fooled and um, generally easy to use as tools for politicians to simply keep their apparently worthless jobs. <laughs> voters claim what, uh, that what substance, uh, the, voters claim they want substance and detailed position papers, but what they really crave are cutesy cat videos, celebrity gossip, top ten lists, reality TV shows, tabloid tribe, and the next fucking Twitter message. <laughs> he rants. Uh, but uh, um, perhaps the most germane uh, statement revealed from the book so far, however, departs for a somewhat wistfully distressed tone that demands the public reevaluate priorities. And, and in the book he says, I worry about our country's future when critical issues take a backseat to the, ins- the inane utterings of illiterate athletes and celebrity twits. As the tabloid-esque theater, also known as the presidential election, roars on, the debate over which ruler will, take, will next take the helm has become tired and loathsome to the disenfranchised. Supporters from the three camps uh, continue battling vicious wars over social media and all rallies for Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, and Hillary Clinton. Though despite
despite Clinton's success in the primaries, her supporters are strikingly absent except for obvious manifestations of her paid troll army. But what Congressman X makes evident is the futility of such battles. Things are so partisan today. Most folks vote the straight party line, even though they don't know shit about who they're voting for. They just don't want the other guys to win. And not only is the electoral process fruitless and irrelevant, but in the apparent lack of concern for the legislative process by the very politicians elected to hold office. While the American public obsesses over the elections, little consideration has been given to what it really happened, uh, what will really happen once the president and Congress people take office. Because as the uh, uh, anonymous insider sharply intimates, it doesn't matter one iota who's selected, since being elected is the only is their only concern. Fundraising is so time-consuming. I seldom read any bills I vote on. Uh, might be one statement from the congressman that virt- vir- virtualic supporters of any candidate or legislator uh, should take seriously. I don't even know how they'll be implemented or what they'll cost. So this guy's saying. So these guys. These guys are. Ugh. My staff gives a last-minute briefing before I go to the floor and tells me whether to vote yay or nay. How bad is that? Uh, It's undoubtedly terrible. Terrible for the legislative process and terrible for those who put faith in either the terrible system or that it can be reformed. Uh, I don't know. This this stuff makes me crazy to read. But if you want to go to this and read this yourself, it's excellent. It's a good article. Good... good, um, a good, uh, good website to um, freethoughtproject.com. You know, you might want to check that out. It's got a lot of sources, um, foreign affairs, uh, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. You know, check that out. But anyway, um, let's see. Before um, I end tonight, I'd like to uh Hey, you ready for this? This is gonna make you sick, but this is uh this is what's happening here. Okay. Despite CIA warnings, Obama brings the CIA director warned the US that ISIS is trying to get into the US disguised as refugees. We just Despite CIA warnings, Obama administration brings in 441 Syrian refugees since the Orlando shooting. Can you imagine that? Listen to this. Yeah, this is amazing. This has had over 2,500,000 views. of Western fighters who could potentially serve as operatives for attacks in the West. This is and Brennan, the group is probably uh, the, exploring uh, a variety of means uh, infiltrating operatives into the West, including in refugee flows, smuggling routes, and legitimate methods of travel. Yet according to the State Department, 441 refugees have been admitted since the June 12th shooting in Orlando, Florida. Four dozen have been resettled in Florida, and Governor Rick Scott is furious at Obama. 
after, after the Paris attacks, I was on a call with the White House, and I said, will you share vetting information from anybody that comes into our state? You're going to send to my state. And they said, no. You're talking about the Syrian refugees that could be coming our direction right. that have come here. The, the White House said they will not share that information with Florida law enforcement. They said, oh, that, that, those people have privacy rights. What about our security rights? The security and making sure if you live in my state, you're going to be safe. I'm responsible for the safety of the people in my state. I'm fed up with our fact we're not destroying ISIS. We're not vetting these people. We're not taking care of our own citizens. We have got to start standing up for this country. This is our country. We have to say, we're going to vet people before this they come is, into uh, our country. Scott, if you disagree uh, with our, what our country believes, find the living day lecture you're allowed in our country. I imagine it. They're letting another 441 Syrian refugees uh, since the Orlando shooting. Uh, this is just this is just ridiculous. And they won't even give them any, any information about them. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, time is up, and uh, we've, we're back. Um, oh, come on. Yeah, here we go. All right, yeah, time is up, and, uh, but I want to thank everybody who listened tonight, and um, I hope you, you got something from it. Um, also, I want to thank uh, all the unions out there. Keep plugging. Keep trying. This year in Connecticut, uh, man, I just had, I think we had uh, almost 1,500 layoffs, uh, public worker layoffs since January. And uh, just another, I think that there's about 350 or 60 different people that took early retirement this week um, from the Connecticut state, and they're not replacing. So Connecticut's in a big, bad situation. I mean, a billion dollars in in cuts. And, uh, you know, they supposedly slated four or 5,000 layoffs of public workers. Uh, Right now it's down to about, uh, right now it's at about 1,500. But um, the year is not done yet. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to all those guys who who were struggling. And uh, I wish you a good night. And... uh, Good luck. Good luck to everybody out there.